Hi, I'm Nadia, and this is the Signature Boss Podcast, a conversation with people who lead a life and business with integrity. Sexy word alert, I know. But if you want your own version of success and you feel like who you are doesn't really fit a specific box and you want to build something you're proud of without compromising who you are and what you believe in, then I think you're in the right place. Welcome back to The Signature Boss. This is episode number three with the amazing Andrea Katzner. And I cannot wait for you to hear this one. Today's episode was recorded in my bedroom because I had to do it on Skype. Andrea is in New York and I was over here in England and it was very late for me, like 9pm. So I hope you cannot hear how tired I actually was. Andrea is the founder of the La Lela Project in South Africa, which provides educational arts for at-risk youth to spark creative thinking and awaken their entrepreneurial spirit. And I first came across the La Lela Project on Instagram, I believe. You know how it is when you go down the Instagram rabbit hole. And last year for my birthday, I decided to do a fundraiser with them to sponsor an art class in Cape Town, which we actually managed to do. And I'm really, really proud of that and excited about it. And I really wanted to talk to Andrea because this project is really close to my heart. And I talk a little bit more about it in the interview, what that means for me. But I think it's incredible how being exposed to art can change people's lives and how it can open them up to a lot more opportunities. Andrea shared her personal story with me, what led her to start the La Lela project, even if at the time it looked like a crazy idea, her dad's involvement with Nelson Mandela, her passion for art. She is such a beautiful person, really true, following her instincts and creating meaning along the way. And I love that. I'm so thankful she took the time to talk to me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Nadia. <laughs> Welcome to the to my podcast. Thank you so much for making time for me today. Um, how how are you? How has your day been so far? My day has been pretty busy. How's your day been? Uh, not that busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a little bit of work this morning, but I went for breakfast with a friend, and then I've been pretty much been locked away at home because it's been a really dark, rainy day here. How is Where New- are you based? Well, I'm in Brighton in Lon- in England. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard it was gloomy today. <laughs> Very much so. But how is New York today? <laughs> New York was also, it was cold and grey and, you know, getting into winter. Uh, yeah. I went to New York once over Christmas and there was like a snowstorm. It was pretty oh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> we had a snowstorm two weeks, not even, 10 days ago. Um, And they were not expecting it. So the whole city was at a standstill. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that that always happens with places when it's like every year it's the same, but still people don't expect it. (laughs) I know. That's true. (laughs) It's really weird. Look at us. We're being really British. We're talking about the weather. (laughs) Yeah, well, I spent 10 years in London, Well, just under 10 years. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we're going to get into that because I really want to know more about you. Um, I, I know La Lela through, I think, I believe on Instagram, I first found it. Um, mm-hmm. and then last year for my birthday, I did a fundraiser with La Lela, um, to sponsor an art class. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was great. Oh, you're welcome. I, I'm, I was so excited when we reached our goal of $3,000. It was amazing. Um, but then obviously 
I I know the project, but and and people would know the project, but uh, I don't know anything about you, about the person behind it all and who you are. So um, why don't you give us a little introduction about who you are, what you do real quick, and then we're going to get into the deeper stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, well, my name is Andrea. I founded an organization, Lalila, in 2010, mm. but began it long before, in 2006, I believe it was. Mm. My daughter my daughter was in high school, mm. and she wanted to do a trip to Africa and take her friends and mm. do give back. So we mm. part of the United Nations Association at the time, mm-hmm. and we went and we spent time in Namibia and KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Mm-hmm. In Namibia, we, 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 sort of lived, we lived in a police station. Really, oh, there was wow. one guest room. We had, yeah, we had a camp for some of the guys, and then we stayed with the policemen stayed. Um, oh, and then wow. every day every day we'd drive for an hour through the desert to a school. And the school um, had a lot of sand community students, and the sand community, I'm not sure if you're aware of, they were the original indigenous people of Africa. Okay. And they were nomads. And over the years with, you know, industrialization and, and urbanization, they really became disenfranchised and very very high alcohol rates, extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. The kids, for the children to go to school, they've allowed them now to go to sort of dormitory kind of schools. So we built dormitories and kitchens and fenced in the dormitories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went up to KwaZulu-Natal, which was at the height of the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. in South Africa. And, um, you know, so many of the young kids were orphaned. And my responsibility was really making sure that the 11 teenagers I had with me were well taken care of, yeah. um, didn't get into trouble, were fed, um, and did their jobs. And one day in KwaZulu-Natal, I thought, you know, I want to do something too. Mm-hmm. And I sat down on the floor with these kids and probably, I'd say the first or second grade children in the classroom. And I was with some friends of mine and they were artists and we started making masks for them. We started making masks, and we made them out of paper plates and, you know, pom-poms and glitter. And as we made the masks, their faces came alive, and they put the masks on, and having a different face to them, to their own faces, they started telling us their stories. Mm. Um, And that was sort of an aha moment for me. I Mm. came away from that trip and realized that's something I want to do. Um, And I spent the next few years, I partnered at one point with the International Rescue Committee, and we went with them to Eastern Chad. We worked with refugee children from Darfur, mm-hmm. where we did where we did art programming with them as well. Um, and we actually made kites, and all they really wanted to do was draw us their story mm-hmm. um, yeah. through art. You know, it was a voice for them. And then from there, we went to um, about six months later. The International Rescue Committee had invited us. They were talking about what was going on in Eastern Congo. And we went off there, and I'd never realized, I think that was in 2007, 2008, we went there. And so this five years previous to that, something like five million people had died in conflict. So there we parted with UNICEF, and we went in and worked with former child soldiers and young girls who had been violently raped. And we went twice and worked there and came away from that trip um, thinking, you know, I come from South Africa. I grew up during apartheid. Mm -hmm. I... You know, it was a terrible regime, and we have a home in Cape Town, although I live in New York. Mm-hmm. And what can we, what can I do to give back and sort of repair the damage that the party did? Mm-hmm. And I remember going quite a few years ago to a peace conference that the Dalai Lama did. 
And he said, you know, you always start with giving back to your own family and then you move to your community and then you move out the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of resonated for me. So I went to Cape Town in 2010. It was during the World Cup. Oh. Um, young, yeah, young kids were out of school for six weeks and kids living in the townships around Cape Town and all over South Africa, in fact, had nothing to do for those six weeks. And just to understand the kind of um, youth we're talking about, in the communities you work, there's a 65 to 70% unemployment rate mm-hmm. in 18 to 24-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the parents, if they have parents, are domestic workers, gardeners, housekeepers. Yeah. Um, there's no sanitation, no running water. They live in shacks. So we, we bust the kids in um, to the South African National Gallery. We use the annex four days a week um, mm-hmm. all through Cape Town. And on Friday, we'd go into the community that grew up sort of in front of my eyes in the in the suburb that we have a family home in. And right now there are 40,000 people living in that community with terrible, you know, mm-hmm. fires that break out, mm-hmm. no electricity. And we had round up kids off the street. And after the six weeks, we had 20 students that were coming to us regularly. We had artists working with us. And the principal of the primary school that the students from the, from the township went to asked us if we'd continue. Wow. And that's and that's really how we began. We began with 20 students. By January that year, we had 50 students. And right now, we have about 5,000 students through South Africa, Zimbabwe, and northern Uganda. That is um, amazing. Yeah. So that's the story of how we how the letter came about. And for me, it was, you know, there's always sports programs after school. And then those kids who can't do sport or not, you know, it's not something they're passionate about. Mm. And what do they do after school? And so after school, vulnerable hours where children, you know, get into trouble. Um, in South Africa, there's huge amounts of sexual violence, of teenage yeah. pregnancy, HIV AIDS, of gang warfare. So art gives, you know, there's something about art that really gives children confidence, allows them to imagine a different future, it motivates them. Mm-hmm. It teaches collaboration, it teaches hard work, persistence. Um, and it's just been, it's amazing this year. Um, we've been going eight years now in, Cape, in South Africa. And the local high school, the first high school we worked, and primary school we worked out of, we're now finally seeing stu- students who have been with us for eight years graduating high school. And at the award-giving ceremony this year, those, those students, every student, they won an award, whether it's academic excellence or leadership or citizenship, were students who have been in our program for eight years, and they all passed and all got, um, all graduated, with ability to go into tertiary education, wow. which is amazing. Wow, that is so powerful. That is just amazing. Well, you jumped right in. <laughs> this is, okay. This is this is amazing stuff. I I'm just in awe of what Lalela does, and I have um, a little bit of a bond to South Africa because um, I've been there every year for the last six years. What took you there? At first, uh, friends, actually, uh, friends of us who live in Cape Town and are also photographers, and they invited us um, on our first trip over. Um, And then um, we did uh, a road trip from Johannesburg all the way to Cape Town for five weeks once. And yeah, we've been going back every year ever since. I've, I've done some photography projects there. I've just like um driven around the country visited friends i even shot weddings in south africa <laughs> amazing um so have you visited our program there 
No, not yet. Um, okay, I haven't. We, have <laughs> we really have to. <laughs> I yeah. would. I would love that. And I. And when I found La Lela, I was just. It was actually online, and it was after my last trip to South Africa, and I, and I was pretty bummed. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had found this a few months ago, <laughs> um, because I had just been, and I. And then, yeah, when I came back, I found out about La Lela. I was like, this is incredible. I really want to support this. Thank you so much. Because it's so powerful, um, just what you said, how how art um, can can give people, young people, anyone really, like a channel um, mm. to, to express themselves, to imagine something different for themselves. Um, yeah. And because, yeah, in school, all you do is pretty much it's science. It's uh, yeah, it's sports. It's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which and is also great. with art compared to any other subject, there's no right or wrong. That's so true. it allow, yeah. allows kids to experiment, to take risks, all the things that are important in life, really. That is absolutely right. I have to write that yeah. down. That's amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but you said so. Yeah, you started out with um What did you say? Four, 20, 40 kids? 20 students. 20 students. And then went yeah. to 50 and now 5,000. And uh, how did how did you get access at first? Like, how did, did you just show up and uh, were like, hey, who wants, like, how did you get that first contact? Those first 20? Yes. Well, the, the, the students we bust into the South African National Gallery, that was outreach through the gallery, which is the South okay. African it's a Museum okay. in South Africa, Cape Town. Okay. Okay. But the 20 that we got that we had coming to us regularly in the Hart Bay area, we literally went around the streets asking children if they wanted to do art. Okay. And took the and we, we took over the community center in the township, and that's wow. how we began. Wow, that's amazing. And how did it? Get, become like a, a foundation the, the thing that it is now like how do you even start a foundation because it's something like I have been thinking about <laughs> a, a, right. a, a lot of times like and I and I wonder like how do you do it do you need money to start where do you even begin how does it work so I was lucky enough to have a partner who co-funded it with me and we you know when we had 50 students it was one teacher yeah so it wasn't a crazy amount of money and we, we always thought the two of us could just fund it ourselves mm -hmm. and then you know as the program grew and it grew through word of mouth through other schools coming to us other organizations asking to partner with us we realized we could no longer fund it ourselves and we mm -hmm. started we do an annual fundraiser now yeah but we But we also do, because we want to get away from the fundraising, you know, people are tired of going to annual fundraisers. <laughs> so I don't know if you've seen our, the little, little scarf on our, on our store on the website. I have, yes. Yeah. So we started doing product primarily beginning with scarves, We're, you know, looking at what Hermes do with their scarves and how people use Hermes scarves as a piece of artwork and yeah. frame them. We thought, what's what kind of product is the right product for artwork? And yeah. that's how we came up with the scarves. And we... We're starting to do really well. We're getting into good stores in South Africa and in New York. Wow. Um, my, yeah, my founding partner, she runs that part of the program. Um, and we've started doing leather clutch bags, and they've proven really popular. Amazing. So we're hoping to be able to grow that side of it mm -hmm. because 100%, 100% of any profit we make goes back to funding the programs. Mm -hmm. um, the other way we do it is now that we've developed the curriculum and we have our sort of Our managerial staff in place. Mm -hmm. When we when we partner with other foundations or organizations, we pay for the training of the staff. They help us find staff in their communities. Wow. We give 
we give them the curriculum, we Skype with them on a weekly basis, or they come to the office at the Cape Town to do prepping for the next week. But their salaries and all the resources for the art are actually paid for by our partner organization. Yeah. So, so that we're not incurring further costs because at some point you've got to sort of limit what your budget's going to be. <laughs> and, and that's been quite a successful way for us to grow. Wow, I, I'm amazed. And I love the scarves, by the way. They are beautiful. They are gorgeous. They're really, really gorgeous. They're really pieces of art, actually. And it's almost yeah. a shame that when you wear them, you can't see what it's, it, you can't see the full, <laughs> the full picture. <laughs> you really yeah, have to people, hang it on the wall. Me, well, if people say to me, what's your, you know, what's your scarf? The colors are beautiful. Yeah. I take it off and I show them. Yes, that is you know? amazing. Are yeah. you, and Andrea, are you an artist yourself? What is your background? No. So my background is not art at all. My background is psychology. I have a master's in psychology. Wow. And then a few years later, I did an MBA. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I, yeah, so I sort of did many running my family assets um, while my children were growing up. Mm-hmm. And literally it was in 2006 because of my daughter's, the trip with my daughter that I saw what a difference art can make. But the other thing is since I was seven, when I was 17, I had a motor car accident and I got paid out money. Um mm-hmm. And I remember my father wanted me to buy gold. And I said, no, I want to buy art. <laughs> and, and I started buying art. And there's a woman from the Goodman Gallery. She was the founder of the Goodman Gallery um, in South Africa, which is one of the top galleries there. And I used to go and sit in an office and she'd teach me. And so I started collecting art at the age of 17. And, wow. yeah, it's just – I love it. I just find it so powerful. Um, I don't collect to make money out of it. I collect things that I have an emotive attachment to. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is my children um, going through high school and living. They were born in in London, by the way, but they came to primary school in New York in high school. Mm. And although my daughter was sporty and was a, she was a great fencer, her passion was visual arts. And she used to spend hours and hours sculpting and being in the art studio and keeping off the streets of New York. And my son was is a musician. And it was the same thing. I just saw the power of art form to keep students grounded to keep them passionate about something yeah. uh, to give them confidence and I guess that's why I, st- I came up with the art you seem to have like a very creative family and life <laughs> and it it just uh, I can imagine I don't know if that's what it looks like but I can imagine your New York apartment being full of frames on the wall <laughs> it is in fact I bought, I bought something recently I said I don't know where to put it and I'm not the kind of person that's going to just put it away because I buy it to actually you know live with it yeah anyway I found a space so great that's good yeah. <laughs> so there's always there's always a corner um but, but it's really sorry you carry on you tell me what do you want to say no, I was going to say, I love, I mean, the creativity in me comes out in that I love creating and starting new things. So yeah. you know, for me, Lalela is well on its way now. We have an amazing team in South Africa. We've actually just partnered with Global Citizens. The big concert they're doing in South Africa on December 2nd. I saw um, that on Instagram. Yeah. I was like, wow, that is yeah. pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it's really exciting because it's, it's a great awareness raising for us. Our students entered a competition for artwork and we got 28 tickets for them to go. Wow. Um, yeah, some of our Johannesburg students. So now that my point being that my team in South Africa are really running the program now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm always looking for the new thing and I'll always stay on the board and I'll always stay on as, as CEO or chairman of the board, get an executive director in. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my next passion, you know, that, that for me was about 
poverty and about giving back to the country that, yeah. you know, it took a lot away from so many people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now I sort of look at what came out on Friday about climate change and what's been happening in the world. And mm -hmm. the United Nations came out a few years ago saying that if we carry on eating meat and cattle, uh, cattle and dairy to the extent we're eating, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just not sustainable anymore. It's 51% of the carbon footprint. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm vegan, so um, I've just partnered um, with very well-known um vegetarian chef here in New York. Okay. And um, in the summer, we're going to be launching the first of, uh, hopefully, a chain of plant-based um, burgers, fries, shakes, wow. ice creams, plant-based, yeah. And percentage of the profits will go back to all the to environmental causes that we're going to vet. Amazing. Yeah. I so have to come to New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get across the UK too. If, oh, um, that, that would be great. I'm expecting great. it to be successful. So, yeah. Wow, that yeah, would be great. Yeah, let me know yeah. when Let me know when it launches. Um, there's definitely a market for it here as well. Um, so Brighton, where I live, is very, very like f fashion forward with like veganism and um we have so many vegan restaurants and even I think like every coffee shop and every restaurant here has like vegan options on the menu, which is amazing yeah. and you don't find everywhere. Um, so yeah, come to Brighton. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be amazing. Yeah, we will. One day. First, we'll just, first got to get 10 going in New York City and then maybe I'll come across right. the UK after that. Great. Um, I'm really interested. You, you seem to have been around a bit <laughs> in places <laughs> I'm really interested a little bit in your personal story um can you share like where did you grow up like where did you study what what is your personal background how did you end up in New York <laughs> like okay all well all right I grew up in South Africa yeah um I grew up actually in, in a town called Durban which is a coastal town I've been to Durban oh you have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes Yeah. It's very warm. <laughs> very warm. Yeah. Anyway, I was there, you know, through primary school. And then when I – high school, we went, moved to Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. And I went to high school there. And then I went to college. I went to Fitz University. And I did an undergraduate degree in clinical psychology. Mm -hmm. um, and then I went to work. And a few years later, I got married. And it was the middle of – the worst time of apartheid. Well, not the worst time, but it was – a country I could no longer live in, and that was in the mid-80s. Mm -hmm. And I came across with my husband to New York, and I went to Columbia University, mm -hmm. where I did my master's in organizational psychology. As I, as I graduated, I felt pregnant with my daughter. We moved to London. We had our children in London. And then once my son was born, I went back to London Business School. Actually, I did my MBA there. Mm -hmm. And during this time, I, actually, my um, dissertation for my MBA was sort of Combining corporate cultures, my father had an, quite a big hotel company in South Africa called First Southern Sun, then, then Sun International, mm -hmm. and they just bought the Atlantis Resort in the Bahamas. And we did a seminar bringing the corporate cultures of the Bahamians and the South Africans and the Mauritians together and creating a value system. And my intention was, after my MBA, was to join the company in organizational development. Mm -hmm. um, Anyway, by the time my MBA was over, instead of the company being in New York, the head office was moved to be in um, Florida, um, and we chose not to move down there. Mm -hmm. So I landed up looking after our personal family investments, um, stock market, trading, mm -hmm. hedge funds, and things like that. And 
as my children got older and I didn't have to be at home so much, you know, I went out in the world and more of that. And in 2006, did this trip, which really changed my life. That's quite the life. <laughs> <laughs> with growing up in South Africa during apartheid and obviously witnessing firsthand, like, um, yeah, how, how cruel and horrible um, that regime was. Like, do you, did, and then obviously you left, um, do you, did you feel, or do you still sometimes, do you ever feel like guilt or do you feel any like responsibility or, because that's something I talk about with my South African friends a lot. And I know it's quite a touchy subject. <laughs> yeah, um, do I feel guilt? I feel like, I don't know what they say to you, but do you remember, do you remember the TV show, not TV show, it was a movie called The Truman Show? Yes, I do, yeah. And he thought that this was a life, but it was actually yeah. television, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I grew up in South Africa, until my last year of high school, there was no television. Oh, so there was, okay. there was no television. Um, everything was censored by the South African government. So mm. certain mm. books couldn't get in, certain music couldn't get in. Um, so you lived in this bubble where you didn't know that anything was different, and it's hard to explain it. Oh, wow. It's really just hard to explain. And it was only when I got to high school and – you know, started being able to travel with myself and going to the city by myself and see what was going on, hmm. does, does one realize? And then in 1976, obviously, with the Soweto rights, and it became much more vocal. So by the time I graduated high school, things were much more out in the open. We got television in 1976, mm -hmm. um, and that's when I, I realized I couldn't live there anymore. I just couldn't be part of that um, mm -hmm. A sort of society mm -hmm. and then so my entire in fact two years later my father and my younger siblings immigrated they moved to the UK mm -hmm. um, myself and my younger brother and my other brother and sister moved to were all based in New York and then in when Mandela came out of prison he called my father up and asked for my father's help he called your and father up yeah, oh. no, he went to visit my father. They became really good friends. Very In casual. <laughs> they became really good friends. And every Christmas he used to come have lunch with us, actually, not on Christmas Day, but around that period of time. No big deal, but, yeah. No, but I think he called a lot of South African businessmen. Yeah. And, you know, to just help get mm. get through the whole going from apartheid to democracy. Yeah. Um, and he was having difficulty with some of the wiping people, with some of the um, – people from a home, sort of an area called Botswana and my father knew them all my, and my father never told us a story and Mandela told my children the story at lunch one day and said you know what your father did he helped me negotiate to get everybody in place from the from the Zulu tribe um so wow. they, then they became really good friends and in fact Zelda who was Mandela's PA I looked after him all through his life from the time he became president mm -hmm. Said so there were only two people that could make my that could make Mandela smile if he was ever down. She had mentioned either my father or Bill Clinton. Oh, for the <laughs> yeah. What? So it was cool. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. But do you feel? Um, if so do I feel guilt? No. So so when Mandela came out of prison and my father said to him, you know, what did you think when you saw the newspapers yeah. about Sun City? Because my father created Sun City, which was in the homeland, which is a whole apartheid system. And he said to my father, he goes, so all I could think about was how many jobs you created for my people. Beautiful. Yeah. And so, That's you know, beautiful. yeah, he was an amazing man. In fact, I had 
I had dinner last night with his granddaughter here in New York, who's also wonderful. That's beautiful. And do you, when you go back to South Africa, or I mean, um, like when you looking at South Africa nowadays, do you feel like apartheid is still in people's heads? Yeah, I think because there's so much poverty and structurally things haven't changed. Exactly. You know, yeah. The yeah. school system, if you're living in certain areas, is awful. Mm. The uh, health system for certain, you know, for certain population groups are awful. So I don't think structurally it's changed enough. Mm. Um, so yes, definitely you still feel yeah. the left. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. Obviously, I didn't. I I haven't been there when it it was actually happening but um going there it's it still feels like that sometimes just from yeah. a, a, a feeling based perspective because people live behind gates and yeah and it's like very much still structurally as you say it's still very separated in a way yeah. um and and that feels strange i must say like yeah still no, going it is hmm. it really is yeah. yeah do you think it will need like a few more generations to... I do. Yeah, to change. Yeah. And it needs better democracy. You know, you yeah. don't have enough um, opposition. Yeah, yeah. I would love to know if, like, in those years of, of running La Lela since starting it, um, what was the biggest challenge you had to face? Like, what was the hardest thing in those in those years? Um, from starting it to now, were there any like major challenges that were hard? I mean, I think the biggest challenge always with starting a nonprofit and growing a nonprofit is sustainability. Okay. And how and how do you create a sustainable model that can live on mm -hmm. um, without too much funding going forward? So that's been the hardest thing for us to resolve, and we still work in resolving it through the scarves, through mm. partnerships where we're not funding the actual facilitators, mm. um, and, and through actually um, taking out some of our curriculum, like our curriculum called the Heart Map. I don't know if you read up about that at all, but yeah. it's there's a there's a video on our website um, about Heart Maps, and we developed this curriculum to work with people from different either racial backgrounds yeah. or gender backgrounds so basically the heart is a metaphor for what you're going to paint yeah. and so say it's a gender issue so you'll, you'll partner a, a male and female mm. and they'll interview each other so looking at you know the arteries that come into the heart like you know what were you born with what's your culture what's your background what are your unique talents is or your fears, your dreams, and then what you're going to do for yourself going forward and what you're going to do for the world. And then they paint each other's hearts and they give it to each other as a gift. And what they realize is we're the same. We have the same hopes, yeah. we have the same dreams, yeah. we have the same fears. Um, and the National Arts Council of South Africa two years ago gave us a grant to take that curriculum mm. and to really take it through South Africa so far, we've worked with 60,000 students um, in only three provinces. We're going to go into all of the provinces. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a social cohesion project because there's so much racism and yeah. going on in South Africa still today. So we partner up um, students from different either ethnic or cultural, racial or religious backgrounds and socioeconomic. And we've been training up teachers doing that. So going back to your question, the hardest part is creating sustainability to to keep it going and to reach as many students as possible without mm -hmm. having to raise too much money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like you have to always, yeah, always fundraise, always uh, sustain yeah. it. That's that's true. That's probably the has has ever like 
has there ever, have, have there ever been people in your life that have discouraged you from doing this? That were like, oh, you know what? It's yes, really, yes. yes. Oh, you know, in the beginning, in the beginning when I started doing it and spending all my time doing it and putting in my own personal money into it, my father said to me, How, you know, it's such a huge problem. What you're doing can't possibly make a difference. Mm. And now that I'm doing it and he sees the difference, you know, he's he's very proud today. Yeah. Yeah, but in the beginning, he thought I was wasting my time. <laughs> wow, but that yeah, I guess yeah, it's it's always it's funny, isn't it? When you start something um, from nothing, how people are like ah uh, maybe you know reconsider. But then when you when you start seeing the fruits and you start being successful, um, like yeah. people are like yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean that's a you know a friend of mine when I was thinking of starting it said to me. Don't be discouraged. Just take baby steps. Yeah, the, yeah. the moment you take that first step, things start happening, mm. you know. And if you listen to your own intuition and if you watch the things that happen around you, I think life, universe guides you to an extent, you know. Yeah. yeah. Things are meant to happen. You, there's obstacles that occur. And if things are going smoothly, you know, you're on the right path. And I think that's a very important thing to listen to your own intuition and what's happening around you. Is that something you you have found to be true in in, yes. gen in general in your life for everything yes like, because you know sometimes things happen you go oh why did that happen you know yeah. and you get yeah. mad or depressed or anxious and then you realize a year later oh my gosh thank thankfully that happened that's amazing so you're very much an intuition person i very much believe in trusting your own intuition yes mm, mm. that is that and, and just being mindful and conscious about what's going on around you yeah yeah Have you ever not listened to your intuition and regretted it after? Yes. <laughs> in personal relationships, more than yeah. anything, in anything else, in choosing boyfriends in life or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that's very a very powerful piece of wisdom. <laughs> to know. Not not even intuition. Just when things mm. aren't working properly, then you think to, you know. Sometimes yeah. you just persist. You go through, and then five years later, you wake up and go, "What was I doing?" <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I I know what you're talking about. I'm experiencing this right now. This it's a very, um, it's very painful when you realize you should have listened to your gut and you didn't. Yeah. it's very. Yeah. It's a bit of a painful lesson, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's always good to learn from your lessons, right? I mean, that's true. That is very true. <laughs> yeah. uh, how is the? Because I'm I'm not up to date with politics in South Africa right now. So Zuma is not in charge anymore, right? No. He's gone. No, he's not. He's gone. But so that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's much better. Yeah. I mean, but there's still a lot of things going on within the the ANC that, you know, he's still very involved on some level. Oh, there. is so he? It's not okay. yeah, so it's not a hundred percent. Okay. You know. Hopefully okay. it'll get there. Okay. Right. But it's is it um do you feel like with a new is there like a new government now like a new president it's a new president not a new government okay okay a new president because yeah. i haven't i'm not up to date with that but um i just know that he's gone which was a, a cause of celebration <laughs> yeah absolutely for a lot of people that is amazing yep 
have has it been ever like frustrating for you to work because i'm sure like as um doing what you do you have to deal with politics and laws and the government have you ever mm -hmm. had like frustrating moments doing that yes um not so much with government but mm. you know you try so for example not with lalela before i started lalela we went to as i said we went to eastern chad to go yeah. work with um, the International Rescue Committee at, at, a, at, a, at IDP camp up in, way up in the north on the border of Darfur. Yeah. And when we got there, I don't know if you recall, this was, I think it was 2007 or 8, I can't remember, but when we got there, do you remember years ago, you might not remember, there was an organization called Zoe's Ark, and they went into Chad, it was a French organization, and they mm -hmm. kind of picked up children, and there was a whole rebellion. When we arrived in Chad that, that evening, mm. um, the guy from the ROC came to pick us up at the airport, and he said he couldn't travel in the United Nations car because all the nonprofits were being really rocks thrown at because of what was going on. So the transport we thought we had, we couldn't get. The permits we thought we could, we had, we didn't have. We oh. had to go, yeah, so we had to, you had to get a fixer, what they call a fixer, to help us get permits and to help us get photography, and then we had to get a private plane to take us up. So things happen, and then you just work through them. Yeah, yeah. You just work through them. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> well, no, you have to. I mean, yeah, what you choices have, to. have, you know? That's true. That's true. Did, but did you ever feel like you had to, or were you ever in a situation where you had to compromise, like, your belief system, like, in... in you know, structuring everything and running La Lela in dealing with these things? Were you ever in a situation where it was, like, tricky and you were like, uh, this is, this goes against what I actually believe and want to do? No, I would not, I wouldn't do something for in a non-profit world that I didn't believe in or didn't want to or want to do. I'd rather walk away from it. I think in the non-profit world, most people do because what, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not getting paid well doing this. I, I mean, I don't get paid at all. I'm mm. paying to do it. Um, <laughs> so you, so you have you can only, you know, the only thing that keeps you going is doing something you truly believe in. Yeah. And you know, obviously, you don't believe in things that are that don't have integrity for you. Yeah, that's that's true. That's amazing. Is there any like any like projects or dreams or plans you have for La Lela for the future that you're really excited about? Um, well, I'm very excited about what's happening next week in South Africa with oh, global yeah. citizens. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing. Um, no, I mean, I just, as it progresses and it grows, it just becomes, you know, so much more exciting to see the students and what they're doing. And, you know, the one thing is we're starting to create an alumni association with our students so to be able to monitor how they've done, wow. um, where they are, and get those students to become role models and also support for, for other kids mm. going to tertiary education. Um, because for most of our students, it's the first person in their families that have not only graduated high school, but have going on to tertiary education. Yeah, yeah. And it's quite daunting. That's amazing. It was something that I was um, surprised by when I first um, went to visit a township, actually, in South Africa. Um, I I only knew like from TV and media what you see um, obviously what they show you and I kind of imagined townships just to be these places where um, uh, you know there's there's mountains of trash <laughs> and mm. there's 
children who are like hungry and who live in in this like yeah basically pile of trash but then i visited like um uh some townships where they they were huge one in durban which is what is, what is the biggest one in durban Oh, I don't know. I uh, it's it's something with S. I forgot the name, but I went there with a friend who actually lived there, and um, he grew up in in that township, and they have like their own school <laughs> there, mm. and they have like their own shops, and it's like its own little town basically. Yeah. Um, I say little. It wasn't little. It was huge. Um, and it was um, obviously not like not ideal or anything but it was so different from what i had seen on tv from i remember that being such an eye opener that um that things are not as they're always you know being shown um mm. in the media and that was something that was so amazing to see hey there's there's actually people here who go to school and to university in the township And right. there's people here who are lawyers and doctors, but they just don't want to leave. They they want to live there because their family's there. Um, yeah, not so much the townships in Cape Town where we work out of. Yeah. I mean, they really want to get out of there because yeah. those town. I mean, the township you're referring to has obviously been a long time and has sanitation and infrastructure. The townships yeah. we mainly work at don't have those. Yeah, yeah, of course. I know that there's like different ones. Um, yeah. it's just that that variety is never talked about like at least I've never like seen that anywhere like on TV or anything which was um, like it was a nice surprise to see that for a change yeah. no, kind of that, that, that things are happening not everything is just horrible um, it was really beautiful to see actually yeah <laughs> um I have a last question for you, mm. which I ask everyone at the end, because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, um, I I love to get to know more and more inspiring people like yourself. And um, I would love to know who has inspired you lately or challenged you to do something, to rethink something, any like current inspiration. Um, a friend of mine actually, um, inspires me because she's fearless and she has really gone about changing the way um, fashion is created okay. and, and distributed. And her name's Carmen Basquette. Okay. Um, Carmen was the co-founder of Netta Porter and she's been involved now in just sustainable fashion, how you make fake fur that doesn't impact the environment. Mm. Um, and I just think, you know, women like that who are fearless and who go about changing the world in a for-profit way, but but it really helps the environment and people. Um, that, that's the kind of person that inspires me. So whenever I see what she's doing, I go, oh my gosh, she's completely inspirational. Beautiful things. So I'll check Carmen out. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's amazing. You should, you should do that. She really is a superstar. That's amazing. Do you think she would come on the podcast? <laughs> you can ask her. Okay. Why not? I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Um. That was amazing and that was very inspiring talking to you. I 
I mean, I would love to have just like a cup of tea with you and talk a bit longer and <laughs> find well, out. Come, next time you're in Cape Town, <laughs> let me know. Perhaps I'll be there. Yes, I will definitely let you know. I'm sure I'll I'll come back. Uh, definitely. I love Cape I love South Africa so much. Um, yeah. And even just hearing um, your Afrikaans, accent <laughs> it, it makes it makes me feel very like at home <laughs> oh it brings up good memories it's really nice <laughs> good so it, i would love definitely love to talk some more but i'm i'm really inspired by your outlook on life and on people by you just taking action it's just um so inspiring um to know you thank you so much thank, thank you. you so much and thank, thank you for taking the time and for <laughs> getting us money over your birthday that was amazing oh you're so well it was I, I i love doing that and i love that we reached the goal i i got so excited and it, it was so and it was very it was for me it was very personal because i grew up um in an environment that didn't nurture my creativity um i went to a school where it was t completely like there was no art in in the school i went to and for years i just was trying to work and study things that um that weren't for me <laughs> because right. because i just i i didn't i i didn't grow up in that way where i where i knew hey i could i could do art i could be i could actually live off of my creativity i didn't know mm. it would be possible i thought that's that's not some i thought it's just a hobby it's not something you do for work for life or whatever um and i didn't know anyone who was creative in my family or in my friends group who was like just yeah living their creativity and being an artist and so it was very personal to me to um give that opportunity to other children and youth thank you um and i'm i'm just happy that i could do it and i'm so glad that la lela exists i'm glad that you exist and that you founded it thank you oh, so thank much thank you thank you so much thank you andrea thanks great chatting to you nadia take care, <laughs> take care. um oh, yeah. you too see you soon hopefully bye yes bye <laughs> bye